girls. I'm Sina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. <laughs> Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Internet. How dare you accuse me? Well, I don't have internet, and before you got here, with your new fancy laptop, I had internet. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Are you just recording this? I am. This is our funny stuff. This is the one you were <laughs> editing. <laughs> yes. So good luck to you. Thank oh. you. I'll be sure to keep some silence for the audience to have them think. Hello! Hello and welcome back. Two girls watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Stina. Welcome new and old listeners, although nobody's old in our books. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about... Hold on, drum rolled. No. Oh, look at how fast... Look at how fast the little... That the thes are. Listen, okay? we just recorded... <laughs> I want you all to know that we just recorded Two Girls Drink Beer... No, it's not because look, look at how, look, listen to how soft I'm talking. We just recorded two girls drink beer and we just had an 8.3 stout and Jeez. we, and we did not have real food. You remember when we were doing Whole30? Yeah, that's completely gone because we just ate a whole log of cheese. Danielle made me break my Whole30. Cry, cry about it. You made me break it. I was doing so well. You made me Okay. Oh, you guys made me ink. <laughs> Man, when we're out of season, we need to do Finding Nemo. Classic. I'm pulling on my notes now, but you, you have to do, like, the nominations and things like that. I say that with the characters. You oh, got, you, you gotta tell the characters? Yeah. You gotta do the summary, man. Man. I didn't know. Did we even introduce what we're talking about? Today we we're talking about we Late did. Night. Late Night? It is an Amazon <laughs> Prime original. You know what? I, so when I was watching Late Night, which I literally watched last night. Mm-hmm. I want a cracker. I, I already broke my, yeah. I see my uh right there. You're hiding the crackers. Oh, uh, I don't know how this is going to sound. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> if you want an ASMR video of Christina eating croc- crackers. Crackers? Crackers. Mm-hmm. So when I was watching the movie last night and they had the intro for Amazon Prime, why did they make it look like Amazon Prime Studios? It's like an old timey movie theater even though movie theaters are closing. Amazon is just slowly taking over everything and showing all of the things that they're... Because vintage. ...wrapping up in their tornado. The twister that is Amazon. Twister. I have a funny story about when I started watching this movie. Can I tell before I go into the summary? Yes, go. Dave didn't realize that he accidentally hit the slow-mo button on his TV. <laughs> and so all we hear is... Is that the... That's the food. Oh my god, my food! Our food's here. Thank God. We're not going to eat it, though. We're not going to starve to death. We're not going to eat it, though, because we care more about you guys. We care about the listeners. We care. So the story that I was telling you, right? Yes. Dave Before we got so rudely interrupted. Because the food was here. <laughs> oh, I can smell it. It's wafting. Okay. Pay it's attention. Okay. Me or them? You. Well, all right. And you, listeners. Okay. So we didn't realize that it was on slow-mo. He just thought that his internet crapped out. We're watching them, like, slowly move their mouths. And I was like, this is, like, very, like, this has to be for a reason, right? Like, I'm trying to find the reason behind us to why everything is moving so slowly. Yeah. I'm like, maybe this person is drowning underwater. And this is how oh they're envisioning. I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> 
And then we started it and stopped it again. And he was like, oh. So you realize what happened, right? And I was like, yes. I had no idea. <laughs> classic Christina response. I was like, yes, of Actually, course. classic response by anyone. Yeah, I know what's going of on. Course. I have no idea of what's going on. Of course I know what quantum <laughs> physics is. And how dare you question my knowledge. I was trying to explain what an RBMK reactor oh, was man. last episode. Apologies in advance. <laughs> You have an art history major and an English comm major. We don't know crap about crap. So. We know crap about. We know some crap. We know. We know all the crap. <laughs> do you have a summary? Yes, I do. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. All right. A late night show run by a woman accused of hating women is about to be cut from the network. In a matter of sheer luck combined with desperation, Molly is hired as the new and only female writer of the show. Struggling to learn the trials and tribulations of writing comedy and being seen as more than a diversity hire, she breaks from her shell and presents herself as irreplaceable. There's a limited time to save the show, but with new writing and style, Tonight with Catherine Newberry might have a shot. Ooh, there you go. That was very spicy, right? I think IMDb needs to hire you. I please do. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get into the characters, but before I get into this, Emma Thompson was nominated for her role as Catherine Newberry uh, for Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. She did not win. She lost to Aquafina for The Farewell. And again, I say to you <laughs> that when you say that somebody is nominated, <laughs> it's fine. You I can just leave it at you that. You can just leave it at that. Well, I just want to, like, throw in. Feel, do you want to feel some ambiance? Are our listeners going to feel the ambiance? <laughs> we'll tell them. She just turned on some twinkle lights. I think you're trying to seduce me. Right no. Now. All right, moving on. Characters. All right. So, of course, we have the, what did she call herself? The captain of this ship, Catherine Newberry. Yes. She is the host of Late Night Tonight. Was it Late Night with Catherine Newberry? She is a true, snarky, British, strong woman who's not taking anyone's crap. She has a very strong sense of excellence that she holds herself accountable to. We have Molly Patel, played by Mindy Kaling. She is, as Christina said, the token woman hire. Her hiring oh, manager <laughs> was literally told to just hire a woman, and they found, Min they found Molly. And her character is very much like Mindy herself yes like all other roles that she's played uh we have charlie fane aka number four played by hugh dancy who is one of the writers on the show he is a good looking full of himself charismatic man who seduces molly uh let me tell you when i was watching this real quick i was like I like this guy. He's nice. No. And Dave was like, don't do that. You never like, anytime you Wait. think that you like someone, you wind up not liking them. So he, I thought you were going to say verbatim when he said he was like, never like the first guy, Christina. It's always the second guy. Who said that? Dave. That was oh, his Dave theory. He's that? like, never like the first guy. It's always the second guy. And Frozen? Hey, what happened? I've never seen Frozen. What? I've seen, I've seen enough of it to know what it's about. I've watched part of it. My little cousins like it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. I've seen January with icicles. I know, frozen. I feel like this is what you're telling me right now. Moving on, we <laughs> have Tom, uh, Tom Campbell, aka number seven, played by Reed Scott, and he is the monologue writer. He says many, many times in this show that he is the monologue writer, <laughs> and he is very full of himself. We don't like him. He is guy number two, as Dave dis uh, said. Yes. Then we have Burdett, who is number five, I think? 
Rick. He's Molly's office mate who's mm. been there for 27 years. Then we have Mancuso and Reynolds. Mancuso, aka number one, is played by Paul Walter Hauser. And Reynolds, I believe he's number two, is played by John Early. One of the reasons why I keep saying number one and number two is because there's a scene where Emma Thompson walks into the writer's room, and instead of getting to know their names, she just starts calling them by numbers. So Molly is actually number eight. Mancuso is... How would you describe Mancuso in a nice way? Which one was Mancuso? Mancuso's like kind of a quiet, scared guy who is a little bit insecure. Is he the one with like the kind of shadow all the time? Yeah. He goes to Mindy's office and he's like, hey, you want to help me write this joke at one point? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we have Reynolds, who is a flamboyant, I'm guessing, gay? When she goes in for the interview, that one guy is there and he's like, they're all like hugging him. They're like, oh, you're going to get the job, like that, 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 that. And then we find out that like that diversity hire, which mentioned in the summary. (laughs) So when they all go up to him and they say things to him, she watches them all interact. And when she goes in for the interview with what, who interviews her? Brad. Yeah, so when he interviews her, he goes, this is a very, like, masculine field. And she's like, oh, no. I saw some of the interactions downstairs. I'm really not worried about masculinity. And it's kind of, like, in reference. Did you miss that? Yeah, but Reynolds is a di- Reynolds is already a hired That's, writer. Yeah, she was and- talking about this. He was talking about the staff that they have. And she was oh. like, oh, I, I saw your staff. Like, I'm not worried about masculinity. Oh. And based on those context clues, it kind of sounded like that she was making a snarky comment based on how they were and how they weren't necessarily the typical, like, rugby, football, whatever, insert stereotype here. But they were, and actually at one point, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember when Brad says to Catherine that she she needs to hire a girl, He said she asked, can I just hire a gay guy? So that makes it seem like he, there's no gay men on the writing staff. So maybe Reynolds isn't gay. But he does ask her a lot of things and it alludes to the fact that he is gay. But both of them are writers. They uh, are kind of like B-list writers on the show. And they're not really our main characters. So that's kind of mean. But you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, Brad is like the head writer on the show. He's played by Dennis O'Hare. So then we have Walter Lovell. Lovell, who played by John Lithgow, who is Catherine Newberry's husband. He's a very loving, dedicated husband. You can tell that they've been together for a very long time, and he supports her. And she, you see her humanity when it comes to Walter. Mm-hmm. He has Parkinson's, as we find out, and she's very doting, and he's her main support system, so she does everything to make sure that relationship is good. Almost everything. We've, we'll get to that later. Um, then we also have Daniel Tennant, played by Ike Barinholtz, who was a classic Mindy Kaling actor, because he played in her show The Mindy, Mindy Project. He was a nurse! Yes, he was yes. a nurse. He's a nurse. Wait, what's his real name? Ike Barinholtz. The, you know what's funny? As I was watching that, I was like, I remember the scene when he's first on, when he's, like, bombing the interview. Yeah. And then he's like, wait, I'm, and he, like like nonchalantly save somebody's life yes yes okay he had an obsession with dogs on the show but on this Mm. on this show he is a like a young comedian who is the complete foil to Catherine newberry and as we find out he is the network's main replacement for her because they want to force her out and she's not happy about it she was watching some of his stand-up in a bar and he was talking about pooping in shoes and she was not not here for it. 
That's not her kind of comedy. Not at all. Okay, so we're going to talk about the climax. Climax. We need some music there. There's a song called Climax. I think it's by Omarion. I don't want it. Okay. At this point, Catherine knows that the network wants to replace her, and she's having a hard time really connecting to her audience and making herself relevant. Throughout this show, they keep telling her to be real, to be who she is at this point in her life, to really play up that she's a 50-year-old woman and make jokes about it, because no one else on the air is a 50-year-old woman and can make the jokes that she can. And her husband even says to her, you haven't had to do this for a while, but it's time for you to really work and keep your show because you're about to lose it. Then, at that point, information is leaked that she slept with one of her writers, aka Charlie. Uh, we find out before that she's getting replaced by Daniel Tennant. During the beat, like, throughout the movie, you kind of start to see that Daniel's agent is getting wind that she slept with her writer. We get the context clues that he's the one who leaked these emails saying that Charlie slept with Catherine. It goes viral. So at this point, once the information comes out, she, Catherine has to do two things. One, she has to win back her husband because her husband leaves and she, and he kind of just dips. He disappears. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know where she's staying. She's in a spiral. She's in her house. It's very dramatic. Um, and then she also has to save her show still at this point. Molly confronts her and says, like, you gotta, you gotta address it. You gotta get it done. And what she does is her husband winds up taking her back and she goes on her show and she addresses the rumors. She makes jokes about it, She right? makes jokes about it, and what she found out about the comedy show was that I need to really just be who I am. Yeah, and she didn't do it for so long. Yeah. Well, because her, what's the name? The guy, the head writer of the show, or the one who approves? Brad? Told her not to. Yeah. For so long. He said, don't introduce who you are, because you never take that back. Yeah. I said when Catherine says to her, writer at the publicizing party, publicizing house party, essentially, <laughs> Uh, there's nothing more to talk about this when he says that he, uh, uh, number five or four, number yeah. four, when he wants to talk with her, she says nothing to talk about this, and then you, there's a shot up the stairs, of the spiral staircase of that guy. Um, the agent. It's clearly foreshadowing that this information is going to get leaked somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, was the major, like, foreshadowing piece, I think, here. But for the ending, I mean, Molly loses her job. The guy that she thought she was dating, she finds out from somebody else. He, she just goes over and he's like, yeah, I can't tonight. And she's like, oh, this sucks. Like, yeah. I see what's happening. She gets encouragement from monologue guy, Tom. Tom. I call him monologue guy Tom. <laughs> guy M number two. MGT. <laughs> to just, you know, find another show and do the thing. And this is where we got the pleasant surprise of Seth Meyers. Yes, he was a guest. And guest appearance. He hires her and she moves out to Coney Island and then Catherine comes back. And this is where, like, we have a really big piece of symbolism because, you know, she ha she's in the car and she's like, come down and, uh, I keep calling her Mindy. Molly. Molly's like, I'm not, no, I don't want to see her. Screw this. I'm out. So Catherine goes up six flights of stairs. A and great scene. This is a long time. It's not fast-forwarded, it's not silenced, you hear her heaving and hawing up the stairs. Because at this point, it's now that Catherine is really working for Molly, because she's trying to put in the effort to bring her back. Mm -hmm. So, her walking, her getting out of the car, you know, being fed up with that, and walking up these stairs was like this very satisfying... Taking her heels off. Yeah, this very satisfying symbolism that Catherine now needs to put in the work. It's not just Molly. And then Molly goes back to the show, and they end up saving the show, and it's, you know, a happily ever after kind of thing. It is, yes. 
So as far as reviews go, yes, I was, I was, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, not Rotten Tomatoes. You did yeah. that. Yeah. IMDb. I was surprised. It was only a six point five out of ten. I it got on Rotten Tomatoes an eighty percent from the critics and a seventy seven percent from the audience. These audience members are harsh. Yeah. Did you? What was it? It was only Chernobyl where the audience was higher than the critics. Yeah, but I feel like usually the audience is higher than the critics. I feel like the critics are like. Eh, eh, eh. I think it's the other way around, maybe. Yeah, it, it seems to be that way, but I never thought it was that way. So for my review, okay, I only picked this review because it has nothing to do with the actual movie. <laughs> so they gave it a 3 out of 10. And I enjoyed the movie, don't get me wrong. It's pouring down in South London, and I have to get this 3-pound DVD back to the store. Not 3 pounds like it's super heavy, but like 3, three pounds, pounds of dollars. Because we're London. Currency, Br- yes. British. I'm not reading this in a British accent. No. Your last uh, review was, no, two reviews ago, was also by a Brit. Was it? Yeah. Oh, for Chernobyl. Right. You're right, you're right, you're right. But it is funny because, like, you think of this, like, super heavy DVD. Yeah, in our minds, we immediately think of a very uh-huh. heavy DVD. And it's, like, like weighing you down. <laughs> Back to the store tonight. Otherwise, the price turns into six pounds. Oh, oof. If this film was any good, I'd stay at home. But this is utter crap. I have to go out and return this FFS to save my money. The only thought of wasting six pounds on this utter rubbish kills me. Other people have explained why this is crap, dot, dot. Please review, read read their reviews, dot, dot. As for me, dot, dot. I don't have time. I'm out in the pissing rain to return this garbage. Wait, but the title of the review is called Utter Pants. Yeah. Do you know what pants are? No. Pants aren't pants. Pants are... I put them on. Underwear. Utter underwear. Yeah. Gotta gotta love British humor. Mine was... Or do, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just like the fact that this person is just telling us about their day. It's not really about the actual movie. He's like, I don't have time to tell you about the movie, but I am but spending was, three pounds and I need to spend six pounds. I don't only- like it. <laughs> and now I need to go out into the rain. That is quite something. <laughs> Stereotypically, it rains a lot in uh, London, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is probably just a regular Tuesday. Yeah. Um, okay, so I got my rating from Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It was four out of five stars. Makes use of its splendid cast as well as its witty script. While bumpy at times and a little too fam- similar to The Devil Wears Prada, Late Night does a great job at making us laugh. A recommendable comedy but it could have gone further and taken its material to the next level. But even if we have to settle for a humble late night, it's still an excellent film. So, better review than yours. Yeah, no, I just, I really only... <laughs> better in the sense that they liked it more than this guy. There were a lot... This person. There were, there were a lot of, like, good reviews. I found a lot here in the middle. I've heard... I've seen a lot of terrible reviews yeah, of this. I, I feel like a lot of the ones that I saw were kind of just in the middle. Like, it's just okay. There are a lot of people who straight up hate Mindy Kaling. I don't understand. I think she's funny. I think that it stems back to them not liking her character on The Office and not liking Kelly. And, like, the point of Kelly is to be a hateable character. Right. It's not supposed to No one's to supposed be... to love Kelly. Yeah. You don't ask, like, who's your favorite character from The Office? Oh, my God, Kelly. Kelly. No. Like, only Kelly would happen. say that. But I think that she can't shake that for some reason, and I don't know why. Which is, like, BS because she wrote a whole bunch of other components of that show. Yeah. I digress. My highs and lows. Okay. My high, I, I literally gasped. I was like, oh, 
when Seth Meyers came on the screen. That was your I high? I didn't expect it. Yeah, it was a nice surprise. My low, it's a little, it hits close to home. I don't know if it hits close to home okay. for others. When she gets her job back with Catherine, she doesn't request a pay raise. She doesn't even ask for it. Like, yeah. no, forget demanding, she doesn't even ask for it. And it's like, come on. If the whole thing behind this movie is female empowerment and females empowering other females then you have to show us how it's done. You have to ask for the dough. And that wasn't even a consideration, and that needed to be a thing. Because it's hard out there. And because, like, that that's a thing that people should say. In any position, not just in a movie. When you first said that to me just now, I questioned why it would be part of the narrative. But I think that they could have made it a funny joke. It's about female empowerment. How be like, could it oh, be but you're narrative? paying me more? Yeah, okay, great. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, they, they, could, have <laughs> they even, could have easily made it a joke. She could have said, like, double my salary, and she would have been like, no. And she would have been like, a mm. decent raise? Something. You know Purple I mean? paint doesn't buy itself, you know? Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it didn't have to be, it didn't even have to be sincere. It could have been, like, light, a, a light, witty way. Yeah. A little banter. But that, that's the empowerment. Like, that was the closing empowerment, I think, that was kind of missing. Yeah, I can see that. I mentioned this earlier, but my high was just Emma Thompson's witty, like, her comebacks. Her zingers were amazing. She called Daniel Tennant, as I said, a meme of a man. Here are some quotes that I wrote down while watching this movie. She, they were pitching a joke about one of the guys. It made a perfect setting it painted a perfect setting of what the male dominated writing room was because one of the writers pitched a like miss america dog show swap where like the girls had to prance around and be dogs and the dogs had to answer questions about (laughs) uh, like politics i thought that was silly it was but emma thompson came back with oh the miss america pod pageant where a teenager from tampa who can't afford college but can afford breast implants goes to compete yes and (laughs) it got me i was like whoo emma um and then she uh there's a point where where molly goes to see Catherine. she's kind of pouring her heart out about how grateful she is to be on the show and how much she loves this opportunity and Catherine says to her, your earnestness is hard to be around. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I remember that. So those were my highs. All of her zingers, I loved them. Uh, my low was a continuity error. Ah, tell me, I love those. So in this movie, Molly goes to the bathroom and there are guys in the bathroom because they use the women's room to take poops during the day. Yep. However, in many scenes... You see women in the background working as, you know, production assistants, doing other things. And even when they first introduce Molly, all of the guys think that she's a production assistant because she comes in with cupcakes and then they start giving her things to do. So there are women in that office and there are women who are going to be using that bathroom. But for some reason, no women use that bathroom because there are no women on the floor. Continuity error. Interesting, interesting. Didn't pick that one up? No, I didn't make that connection. Okay, I have one more low. Okay. I like the relationship between Tom and Molly 
but I wish they did not wind up together. You get the idea that they're romantically involved because he kisses her on the shoulder in one of the last scenes, mm-hmm. but I wish that they didn't wind up together because I just, I just wish they didn't. Because you didn't want another romance? I didn't want a romance in this, and it was kind of like a lazy romance, too. <laughs> Is that like a spin on Lady Gaga's bad romance? Yeah, it's a lazy romance. And also, who really wants to work with their significant other? You know that's going to blow up, and if you're really in the workplace, you should be focused on your job and not on romantic... Don't poop or eat. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't think it was necessary to add that in, and I, mean, we I all, thought we all knew... that their friendship could have been enough. I didn't need them to be together. But we all knew it was coming. We so all just... knew it was coming, but I didn't want it to happen. So that's my low. Snack break! It's a snack break! I want you to know that, like, every time we do this, it's different. So when you hear the crinkle of the bag, it's not going to be the same crinkle of the bag every time. We don't want you to get bored of the same crinkle of the bag. It's usually whatever we're snacking on at the current moment. Which is... Wesley Farms wheat crackers. Wheat, wheat beer, wheat crackers. So I had almonds and a blood orange while I watched this. A blood orange? A blood blood orange but uh, if given the choice i would just have a glass of cabernet okay because they were drinking cabernet and they i was were like drinking i just a lot of red wine listen gals i want to drink wine with you while i watch you yeah that's how i felt i could get behind that okay are you, you just gonna copy all my snack breaks? you know i can get behind a glass of, of wine <laughs> yes well okay cabernet specifically so when i watched this i had a glass of wine oh. or maybe three glasses of wine. Ah, late night all of a sudden got funnier it was a friday night you know friday nights are my stay at home watch tv drink wine nights i know this most nights are my stay at home <laughs> drink wine and watch tv nights but friday nights specifically are so i had some white wines if you are looking for new white wine look for white wine from new zealand because it's super fruity and super sweet. So I had a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. I had some home-style popcorn from Pop Secret. And then I had a chocolate chip cookie. Chocolate chip cookie. It was a kitchen sink chocolate chip cookie from Panera. You have to say it like California Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen. Two girls watch TV. Two girls watch TV. California Pizza Kitchen. Chocolate sink cookie chip. Kitchen kitchen sink chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) I can't say it that fast. That was my snack, and it was a decent snack. I don't, I'm not going to change that. That was a good late night snack. That's legit. Ha, you see what I did there? You ah. see what I did there? Double meaning on that one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so my expectation versus reality here, I thought that this was actually going to be more about Molly's rise and fall and mm-hmm. rise again than Catherine's. I also um, got real big Devil Wears Prada vibes in the very beginning i didn't get any devil wears prada vibes until i read that review but it's interesting that you did feel like it was devil i think it was devils wear devil one devil devil wears prada-esque yes what specifically was it like her hiring process that and her outfits oh her outfits were amazing let me tell you something (laughs) you want to talk about blazes like we did in dolomite Oh my goodness. Yeah, she had killer style. She had that one copper tone blazer oh, with yeah. like the tuxedo. With the black lapels. Oh my yeah, god. That was How good. about the sequin navy suit? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that was really good. What about the didn't she have like a, she a blue 
vest with the fur around the front, the collar. I think so, yeah. Yeah. She had some really, really good outfits. When she wore the jeans, she wore jeans, but then she wore a button-down with, like, a crop-top, fringy sweater. Yes. I remember that. Who has better style, or who, which stylist styled them better? The stylist who styled Emma Thompson in this, or the stylist who styled Renata Quine in Big Little Lies? I think it depends on your type of style, because if you're a blazer person... It was more in line with Emma Thompson. Yeah. Because Renata Klein didn't always wear blazers. No. I'm talking about you specifically. Which one did you like Oh, better? I like a good blazer. Yeah. So you're more Emma Thompson? Mm, I yeah. think so. I, I want to wear blazers as much as she did. I'm yeah. going to start wearing them more now. Yeah, I guess we're just After watching this blazers. movie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I thought that I watched the trailer to this and I had heard about it before and when I hear that Mindy is doing something, it really followed the formula of a Mindy Kaling production. It was very expectable. She stuck with what she knows. She's She was a writer. She is a writer. Mm-hmm. In The Office, I'm pretty sure she was the only female writer for The Office. That I'm not sure of. In the beginning, at least. I want to say yes. So she played up that because that's something that she knows. We also know that she's, I well, I've read a couple Mindy Kaling biographies. I've read one. You probably read the one that I have. Is everyone hanging out without me? Yes. Yes. I think I have good a second. book, by I the think way. I have her second one, too. I don't have, no, I never, I only read the first one, but it's a good book. I enjoyed it. B.J. Novak writes something in it for her. It's yes. Very nice. What about when Michael Shore writes her obituary? Yes. Oh, that was that's fantastic. That's so good. New podcast. We're going to do book. <laughs> two girls do book reviews. <laughs> so she is a huge romantic comedy fan of like the 80s and 90s. And I feel like mm. this very much f- like followed that formula, but it got like a facelift in the two- in 2019. Like it threw in those like talking points that we want to talk about in 2019, but it still very much followed the formula of like a romantic comedy in a way quote-unquote. Yes, but I think it was more of, like, a drama romance than an actual comedy. Like, do you remember how Dolomite was about a comedian? Yeah. I felt like this was about comedy writing, but it wasn't necessarily a straight-up comedy. Yeah. And I think that a lot of those 2019-esque pieces took away, not that it's good or bad, I'm just making an observation. Yeah. Took away from the comedy piece of it that was, like, 80s and 90s. I could see that. I, I think it was more about, like, the rise and fall and climb back up again than mm-hmm. it was, like, you know, a comedy kind of movie. I definitely laughed. I laughed out loud. I laughed. There were, there were a few things where I definitely laughed out loud, but I wasn't, like, crying on the floor. And I do get like that when yes. I watch, you know. <laughs> but I feel like movies from the 80s and 90s do follow that same thing where it's the rise, decline, and then get back up again. And that's the outline that she followed. But she just kind of said it in, she didn't kind of, she said it in a 2019 sphere and she added in all the talking, she peppered in all the talking points that are like engaging and interesting. Issues that we're talking about these days. But that's how I feel like. I feel like they were just peppered in. I don't feel like they were like a part of an actual like joke. Like laughing and you're like, 
oh, I get it, because, like, this is a thing that relates to today. Like, it wasn't like that. Yeah. I felt like they were just peppered in, and I felt like if there was more substance behind them, that it would have had, like, a little bit more of a punch to it. Okay. Is that, like, a weird thing to say? No, I can see that. I felt like how you described it peppered in is exactly what they were, and they needed a little bit more of, like, something behind, like, you don't, I don't just eat pepper, you know? Yeah. You needed more substance. Yeah. Like, I needed the broccoli that the pepper's on. Okay. Seven. Back to snack break. (laughs) Can I give my IRL moment? Yeah. Before Molly goes into this interview, yes. she is standing outside of the building and she's quoting Yates and a giant thing of garbage is thrown at her. Tell me this has happened to you in the city. So as I don't know if you describe it as, I describe it as a garbage town. New York City is literally a garbage town, especially in the summertime. It's full of garbage. It's ridiculous. And I work in the city. And one time I was walking in Times Square, tourists were everywhere. And one of my biggest pet peeves in New York City is people walk, are people walking slow in front of me and I do everything I can to go around them. I'm a real jerk on the streets of New York. If you don't, don't talk to me on the streets of New York. I'm probably trying to walk around you because you're walking too slow and you're walking in a line and it's pissing me off. So I tried to go around some people and I wound up literally tripping over garbage and tourists were walking and saw me trip over garbage and they started laughing at me because I'm an idiot and I tripped over garbage and I go ha welcome to New York and just kept walking oh my god so but you didn't throw garbage wasn't thrown garbage at wasn't you. thrown at me you threw yourself into garbage yes but it made me think about it <laughs> It reminded me a lot of that moment. My IRL moment was when Molly makes herself... Molly. What do they say when they introduced her? What's your name? Molly? This is Malay? Yes, yes, yes. I think this is the same scene, actually. Sorry, go ahead. She, um, Molly decides to make herself irreplaceable, right? Where the husband tells her to do that to the point where Catherine can't get rid of her even if she wants to. Do you remember that? Yes. The, when he was playing the piano. The party, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she comes down the stairs, she goes, she calls me eight, blah, blah, blah. She only does that, like, we also, like, never get bathroom breaks, and she makes a joke about it. Yeah. When they take a picture together, and they're, like, next to each other, and she, like, grabs her shoulder and, like, puts her head on, and I was like, oh, yes, this is, like, any time I want extra attention. I'm like, hello. Hi. This is me, I'm here. Hi, Notice I'm here. me, hello, excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. me. Or, like, my dog would do that. Maybe it wouldn't be me, but it would be, like, something that Picasso would do. Like, excuse the paw, just, like, while you're not paying attention, like, on your shoulder or on your leg. Like, like excuse me. Excuse me. I'm here. Pay attention Pay to attention me. to me. Yes, that's exactly it. Oh, man. That was it. I thought that was funny. That was funny. So, yeah. It was, uh, I thought it was good. I liked it. It's not that I disliked it. Definitely wasn't my favorite, but it was good. Thank you for listening to Two Girls Watch TV. You can follow me at Classic Stina on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Danielle on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. You can follow the podcast at the number two. Nope. On Instagram, it's Two Girls Watch TV Pod. On Twitter, it's the number two. G W T V W T V at it's the number two G W T V. Mm-hmm. You can email us at two girls watch TV at gmail.com. And do we have anything else? Oh, and uh, subscribe to our podcast and rate this episode please. and our YouTube channel, Two Girls Drink Beer. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to that too. Okay, follow us on everything. Yep, bye. We need to go to eat Chinese food now. Bye. What's up? Uh...